From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop? It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you're not alone. You may not know it, but support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through the friendly people at Church's Care. At Church's Care, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Church's Care helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's churchescare.com. C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you. to Too Good to Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. The subject of today's show is urban legends, starting with the Russian sleeping room experiment. We're also going to discuss Slender Man and the Curse of the Colonel. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. We choose a subject, then research it, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research and the psychic insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. The show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the psychic insight. We don't care if a theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We are only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter and shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize. And neither of us have any particular knowledge of urban legends or any of the science, including psychology, behind them. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. And one final disclaimer. The events surrounding the children in Wisconsin and Slenderman are tragic and could have ended even more tragic. We will recount some of the details that were in the news to illustrate how the belief in the fictional entity being real can have dire consequences. We have chosen to not include information about the personal lives of the families. Today we're going to discuss urban legends, of course. The Russian sleeping room experiment was your idea. We agreed we had to include Slenderman as an extreme example but the curse of the colonel is included to represent the funny side of urban legends. Let's start with a definition for an urban legend from dictionary.com. Quote, a modern story of obscure origin with little or no supporting evidence that spreads spontaneously in varying forms and often has elements of humor, moralizing or horror, horror, end quote. Nowhere does it say the story has to be believable. Maybe the taller the story, the more fun is involved in telling it. Starting with the Russian sleeping room experiment, when was this supposed to have happened? It was supposed to have happened towards the end of the 1940s. The story is on multiple websites. I would advise not listening to this urban legend while eating since it's very graphic. I will quote from Thotco. And I quote, The story goes that towards the end of the 1940s, Soviet researchers sealed five prison inmates in an airtight chamber and doused them with an experimental stimulant gas to test the effects of prolonged sleep deprivation. Their behavior was observed via two-way mirrors and their conversation monitored electronically. They were promised their freedom if they could go without sleep for 30 days. I'm pretty sure that the prisoners would not have believed in the uh, freedom I will quote again from Thotco. The first few days passed uneventfully. By the fifth day, however, the subjects began showing signs of stress and were overheard bemoaning their circumstances. 
They stop conversing with their fellow inmates, choosing instead to whisper compromising information about one another into the microphones, apparently in an effort to win the favor of the researchers. Paranoia set in. Lack of sleep causing paranoia seems to be well known. What happened next? I will continue quoting from the same source. On the ninth day, the screaming began. First one subject, then another, was observed running around the chamber, screaming for hours on end. Equally disconcerting was the behavior of the quieter subjects, who began ripping apart the books they'd been given to read, spearing the pages with feces and plastering them over the mirrored windows so their actions could no longer be observed. Then, just as suddenly, the screaming stopped. The subjects ceased communicating altogether. Three days passed without a sound from inside the chamber. Fearing the worst, the researchers addressed them via the intercom. We are opening the chamber to test the microphones, they said. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your immediate freedom. A voice from inside answered, we no longer want to be freed. At that point, I think that the experiment should have been over. There wouldn't have been much of a story to tell if the experiment stopped at this point. This is what happened next. Two more days passed without contact of any kind as the scientists debated what to do next. Finally, they decided to terminate the experiment. At midnight on the 15th day, the stimulant gas was flushed from the chamber and replaced with fresh air in preparation for the subject's release. Far from being pleased with this prospect of leaving, the subjects began screaming as in fear for their lives. They begged to have the gas turned back on. Instead, the researchers unsealed the door to the chamber and sent armed soldiers inside to retrieve them. Nothing could have prepared them for the carnage they witnessed upon entering. That sounds really scary. Hopefully you're bringing this to an end. Well, I'm getting there. But again from ThoughtCo. One subject was found dead, lying face down in six inches of bloody water. Chunks of his flesh had been torn off and stuffed into the floor drain. All the subjects had been severely mutilated, in fact. Even worse, the wounds appeared to be self-inflicted. They had ripped open their abdomens and disemboweled themselves with their bare hands. Some had even eaten their own flesh. The four who were still alive seemed terrified of falling asleep and refused to leave the chamber again pleading with the researchers to turn the gas back on. When the soldiers attempted to remove the inmates by force, they fought back so ferociously they couldn't believe their eyes. One suffered a ruptured spleen and lost so much blood, there was literally nothing left for his heart to pump, yet continued flailing for a full three minutes until his lifeless body collapsed. The remaining subjects were restrained and transported to a medical facility for treatment. The first to be operated on fought so ferociously against being anesthetized that he tore his muscles and broke bones during the struggle. As soon as the anesthetic took effect, his heart stopped and he died. The rest underwent surgery without sedation. Far from feeling any pain, however, they laughed hysterically on the operating table. So hysterically that the doctors, perhaps fearing for their own sanity, administered a paralytic agent to immobilize them. After surgery, the survivors were asked why they had mutilated themselves and why they so desperately wanted to go back on the stimulant gas. Each in turn gave the same enigmatic answer, I must remain awake. I've never heard of a gas that will keep you awake. There are substances that claim to help with staying awake, but not a gas. But I'm sure that wasn't the end. Here's how the story ended. The researchers considered euthanizing them to obliterate every trace of the failed experiment, but were overruled by their commanding officer, who ordered that it be resumed immediately with three of the researchers joining the inmates in the sealed chamber. Horrified, the chief researcher pulled out a pistol and shot the commanding officer point blank. He then turned and shot one of the two surviving subjects. Aiming his gun on the last one alive, he asked, what are you? I must know. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject said, grinning. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be free at every moment in your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven where we cannot tread. The researcher fired a bullet into his heart. 
The EEG monitor flatlined as the subject murmured these last words, so nearly free. There may have been a grain of truth in that somewhere. I did find a true story about a radio presenter called Peter Tripp. In 1959, as a means of raising money for charity, he sat in a glass booth in Times Square in New York with the intention of broadcasting a show for 201 hours straight. That's over eight days. He was monitored by doctors and scientists and cheerfully went about his business until day three. So what happened on day three? He started cursing people. He thought there were spiders in his shoes and took them off. His brain waves were being monitored. His brain waves were showing a REM sleep cycle. REM stands for, stands for rapid eye movement when dreaming occurs. The scientists thought he was dreaming while awake. So did he quit? Using curse words while on air would be career limiting, especially back in 1959. He got through the 201 hours and slept for 13 hours and he thought he had recovered well. There wouldn't be any point of this if there wasn't a change in Peter Tripp, for better or worse. His family found he had changed. He got divorced and lost his job. His life apparently had been totally messed up. So there is some truth behind the urban legend. Sleep deprivation will damage people. But do we really understand what happens when we sleep and why sleep is so essential? I looked at some sources and it appears we probably don't know all the processes in our sleep. We do know that we are not in deep sleep most of the time. There is a light sleep when you can be awakened easily. During sleep, the brain is sorting itself out, filtering information to keep and not to keep. Blood pressure, heart rate, breathing rate, body temperature all indicate that the body slows down. During rapid eye movement or REM sleep, when you're dreaming, your body is paralyzed to prevent you acting out your dreams. During non-REM sleep, the body pumps out hormones, including those that regulate hunger. Not enough sleep may result in gain, weight gain. During sleep, the brain acts like a dishwasher with greater cerebrospinal fluid flow to clean out toxins. When dogs are dreaming, they don't seem to be completely paralyzed. But we'll have to continue talking about sleep and other urban legends after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand worldwide and more does this sound like tomorrow's television well it is but you can have it today right now it is simul tv simul tv offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like exxon sci-fi and horror we are worldwide no other provider offers that 500 built-in video games no need to have an extra expensive system we have them included free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.
Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were talking about the Russian sleep room experiment about sleep, and we were discussing sleep. And I was just saying that when dogs are dreaming, they don't seem to be completely paralyzed, such as with humans. They move a little like they're running, for example, and perhaps make some noises. So maybe paralyzed is the wrong word. But how does sleepwalking happen that doesn't involve paralysis? Apparently, sleepwalking can occur with sleep deprivation, but there is no accepted explanation. We hadn't talked about animals dreaming, but our we had talked about animals dreaming, but our pet dog seems to be quite to uh, to dream quite a lot. What happens when you wake up suddenly because you're dreaming something as scary is happening, like falling off a cliff? I looked into that, and there are only theories. A number of psychics believe that when you wake up with a jolt, you have an a, a, you have a, had an astral projection. Here is a description from psychic Tana Hoy's website. Quote, when you astral project, your astral body, an exact energy replica of your physical body, travels and explores the world, leaving your physical body behind. Your physical body has to be in a state of deep relaxation before your astral body can detach itself which is why you naturally astral project when you're asleep. When, you, when your astral body successfully detaches itself from your physical body, you're able to go through walls, visit faraway places in an instant, in an instant and even meet angel spirit guides and the souls of those who have passed away." End quote. The description goes on to say that you probably won't remember the experience. That sounds a bit like dreaming. What is the difference between astral projection and dreaming? Tanahoy's website provides an explanation. Quote, when you're dreaming, your subconscious mind processes thoughts that are already in your consciousness, such as memories, desires, wishes, and repressed emotions. For example, when having a lucid dream, you're aware that you're dreaming. You're able to control what happens in your dream. But when you are... When you're astral projecting, your consciousness actually leaves your body to go somewhere, someplace else, end quote. I've read that in astral projection, there is a silver cord that attaches your spirit or consciousness to your body. When you wake up suddenly, your spirit has returned abruptly with the cord snapping back. Some psychics, including Tanya Hoy, believe that you can train yourself to remember astral projection and also to dream lucidly when you're in control of your dreams. With that, I think it's time to move on to the next urban legend, which is Slenderman. Slenderman made international news some time ago, but I don't I didn't really follow the story except that two young girls in Wisconsin were involved in a stabbing. For the events, I will recount the events based on a paraphrased quote from Wikipedia. The names of those involved have been removed. The Slenderman stabbing occurred on Saturday, May 31st, 2014, in the American city of Waukesha in Waukesha County, Wisconsin, when two 12-year-olds lured another 12-year-old into the woods and stabbed her 19 times in an attempt to impress the fictional character Slenderman. After being stabbed, the victim crawled to a road and lay on the sidewalk where a cyclist found her and called 911. She was rushed to a hospital, at which point she was one millimeter away from certain death, according to the criminal complaint. The victim recovered after being hospitalized for six days. During the resultant legal proceedings, both perpetrators were ultimately found not guilty by reason of insanity. One was committed to 25 years in a state mental institute, while the other was sentenced to 40 years in a mental institute. The sentence were handed down only recently. 
So the two perpetrators wanted to kill just to impress a fictional character. The character must have seemed entirely real to them to attempt murder. Besides avoiding certain death by millimeter, I think we have to mention that the victim's survival was completely against the odds. The sidewalk that she was found on was closed to the public. But who are what Slenderman and what is the connection to the two girls? Here's a quote from Wikipedia, same article. The attackers had discovered Slenderman on the Creepypasta Wiki, a website that hosts Creepypasta. The two perpetrators said they believed Slenderman was real at the time and wanted to prove their loyalty to him so they could become his proxies or followers, prove his existence, and prevent him from harming their families. The two believed that the only way they could become the Slenderman's proxies was to murder someone. They believed that after they carried out the killing, they would become servants of Sunderman and be allowed to live in his mansion in the Nicolet National Forest, end quote. The victim was a friend of both the perpetrators. The two were tried as adults. But do 12-year-olds or almost teenage brains function like adults? Here's a quote from the End Informatics website that suggests that children don't think like adults. And I quote, In calm situations, teenagers can rationalize almost as well as adults. But stress can hijack what Don Dahl, Ron Dahl, a pediatrician and child psychiatric researcher at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, calls hot cognition and decision making. The frontal lobes help put the brakes on a desire for thrills and taking a risk and building block of adolescence. But they're also one of the last areas of the brain to develop fully, end quote. So generally, adults function different under stress, with a desire to take risks being not so controlled in children. Can you explain more about Slenderman? I looked up the Creepypasta Wiki website. There is a description of Slenderman along with a history of what are described as sightings. Slenderman is introduced as an alleged paranormal figure that may have been around for centuries over a large geographical area. The website doesn't give the idea that Slenderman actually exists. But wasn't the modern concept of Slenderman created on the internet? Slenderman was created for a 2009 Photoshop contest on the Something Awful online forum. The contest involved the creation of, a, of paranormal images. The modern Slenderman myth grew from there. There are Slenderman man blogs all over the internet. There's a website called Slenderverse Media, which includes links to YouTube videos and to blogs. A lot of people seem to want to add to the fantasy and, and keep the story going as if it were real. So the Slenderman myth is a different kind of urban legend. It involves ongoing additions to the story on internet forums. But what does Slenderman look like and what does he do? I will quote from the Cosmopolitan website, quote, A silent stalker who stands between six and seven feet tall. The slender man supposedly hides near wooded areas so he can blend in among the trees and the darkness. His face is white, featureless, and can morph into whatever you fear the most. His arms stretch and bend unnaturally to grab his victims, and his long fingers scratch at children's windows. His victims often dream about him before they encounter him, and are usually 16, year old, 16 years old or younger. Once the slender man captures you, you will wake up to find him standing above you, ready to, to ask you one question. If you get it right, he, he breaks both your legs and arms. That's lucky, because if you get it wrong, he sticks his fingers down your throat and pulls out your heart, end quote. Slender man has been associated with legendary entities uh, before. Those include the dark man from Scotland, the branch man from the Netherlands, and the tall man from Germany. There is even more going on with Slenderman than you have mentioned. Here's a quote from the BBC website from 2015. Rising from humble internet forums, this modern urban legend has now inspired a slew of fan fiction, best-selling computer games, and a series of short movies. But the tale has also taken a darker turn as the line between myth and reality become blurred. Some are convinced that they have spotted Slenderman lurking behind trees and scaling the sides of buildings. And in January, there were more claimed sightings in the UK reported by the British tabloids, end quote. It seems that the two 12-year-olds from Wisconsin were not alone in their belief in the fantasy. I wonder, if it's, it is, I wonder if it is actually possible to create an entity from collective imagination, even if the creature is just an apparition. 
I also wonder if young children uh, have intuition to guide on, guide them on what is real or not. One of the girls was obsessed with Voldemort from the Harry Potter movies, while seeing Mr. Spock from Star Trek as some kind of mentor. Psychologists agree that from the age of 8 and certainly by 12, children will have figured out what is real and what is not. However, the exact age does range from child to child. Regarding urban legends in general, I found an interesting article published in the November 2015 edition of The Atlantic on the origins of urban legends. I will quote from, from the article. Quote, a number of studies have shown that humans tend to remember certain kinds of information better than others, such as knowledge that might keep us alive or help us find a mate. In one study, subjects were asked to read an urban legend, rewrite it, uh, read an urban legend, rewrite it from memory, and then pass their version to the next person, a sequence resembling a game of telephone. At the end of the chain, the legends whose things could have social or survival-related utility, uh, nudity, spiders, that kind of thing, were recalled most accurately, as evolutionary theory might predict. Many popular myths carry implicit warnings. When researchers analyzed 220 urban legends, they found that the stories were much more likely to mention hazards and benefits. This makes sense because believing in a fake hazard is less harmful than failing to believe in a real one. Evolutionary speaking, we should err on the side of being over-credulous about threats. And indeed, the researchers reported test subjects found statements about topics ranging from German shepherds to LASIK surgery more believable when they mention risks like mauling or double vision, end quote. So for Slenderman, most people would just be entertained and would probably not take alleged paranormal creatures seriously. Apparently because the urban legend of Slenderman was so creepy, it had more than survived. But we'll have to talk about our next urban legend, The Curse of the Colonel, that's not such a creepy story after this short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. The scientist and the mystic have been on an age-old, relentless search with one thing in common. They seek truth. Their paths converge in the 40,000-year-old practice of shamanism, an ancient science delving to the quantum level of life, facilitating healing, manifestation, and evolution. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, the founder and director of Path Home Shamanic Arts School, a unique Colorado State-certified occupational school, training shamanic practitioners and teachers. We also provide classes for empowering personal lives through shamanism. Our certification classes are in week-long segments, enabling international participation, and online classes and long-distance shamanic healing sessions are available. Come discover the science of magic in the limitless world of shamanism. www.findyourpathhome.com Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. 
Remember, 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, After the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were discussing the urban legend of Slenderman. But let's transition to a not-so-creepy story or urban legend about the Curse of the Colonel. Yes, uh, the Curse of the Colonel is a much lighter subject. Here's a quote from Wikipedia. Quote, Curse of the Colonel refers to an urban legend regarding a reputed curse placed on the Japanese Kansai-based Hanshin Tigers baseball team by deceased KFC founder mascot, Colonel Harlan Sanders. The curse was said to be placed on the team because of the Colonel's anger over the treatment of one of his storefront statues, which was thrown into the Dottenbury River by celebrating Hanshin fans following their team's victory in the 1985 Japan Championship Series. As is common with, with sports-related curses, the curse of the colonel was used to explain the team's subsequent 18-year losing streak. Some fans believed the team would never win another Japan series until the statue had been recovered. They have appeared in the Japan series three times since then, losing in 2003, 2005 and 2014. Comparisons are often made between the Hanshin Tigers and the Boston Red Sox who were said to be under the curse of the Bambino until they won the World Series in 2004. The curse of the Colonel has been used as a bogeyman threat to those who would divulge the secret recipe of 11 herbs and spices that result in the unique taste of the chicken, end quote. So did they ever get that statue back? Yes, they did. Here's another quote from Wikipedia. The colonel was finally discovered in the Dottenbury River on March the 10th, 2009. Divers who recovered the statue at first thought it was a large barrel and shortly after a human corpse, but Hanshin fans on the scene were quick to identify it as the upper body of the long-lost colonel. The right hand and lower body were found the next day, but the statue was still, still missing its glasses and left hand. Is said that the only way the curse can be lifted is by returning his long-lost glasses and left hand. The statue was later recovered with replacement of new glasses and hand and returned to KFC Japan. As the KFC branch that the statue was originally belonged to no longer exists, the statue was now placed in the branch near Koshien Stadium, end quote. How could a deceased person put a curse on a sports team? Even if he could, the colonel was no fan of the modern KFC. I'm sorry, this is so funny. His comments were included in a Kentucky newspaper article in the late 1970s. This following is a paraphrase as I remove words that may be offensive. The grave is horrible. They buy tap water for 15 to 20 cents a thousand gallons. They mix it with flour and starch and end up with pure wallpaper paste. And I know wallpaper paste because I've seen my mother make it. There's no nutrition in it. They ought to have not allowed to. They ought not to have been allowed to sell it. Crispy recipe is nothing in the world but fry, uh, fried dough balls stuck on some chicken. Well, I'm glad you removed the offensive words from that. But uh, that's an interesting part about this urban legend is the curse. In general, can curses be taken seriously? 
maybe a curse can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. The baseball players might have been aware of the curse, with some perhaps believing subconsciously that they can't win. Part of the winning, part of winning, must be in believing you can actually win. So, do you check out if curses are real? I was surprised. Apparently, a lot of people believe that curses are real, with some spending money in the hope of getting a curse lifted. I wonder what you should do if you believe that you've been cursed. Maybe it's just a matter of not believing in the curse and not fitting normal life events into the curse. Curses may be like a placebo effect. If you believe in something, there may be consequences that are real. If you think that the unknown pill is real, for example, your symptoms may improve, even if it's a sugar pill. But did you find any scientific evidence to prove curses can be real or are all in the mind? Scientific evidence either way seems to be hard to find, but I found some scientific analysis for the Oscar curse. What is the Oscar curse? There may be more than one, but a popular belief is that a woman that women awarded the best actress in the Academy Awards are doomed to suffer in their personal lives. Here is a quote, quote from the website New Republic from 2015. Quote, in a new paper in the journal Organizational Science, Michael Jensen, a professor at the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business, and he Yoon Kim of the National University of Singapore used statistical analysis to examine the consequences of winning an Academy Award on actors' careers and personal lives. They found that an Oscar winner nomination had a positive effect on actresses' careers, and contrary to what proponents of the Oscar curse would suggest, actually makes them less likely to get divorced." End quote. Maybe people are more aware of bad news and don't consider the good news, as usually good news doesn't get reported. Why wouldn't being recognized in your career give you a lift? It's hard to argue with, but I think it's time for the first question. Why are urban legends so common? Basically because people like to fill in the blanks and have information that could possibly be true, but there's always this unknown about it. So it started with storytelling and the what ifs and led to explanations in some cases. In other cases, stories that could possibly be true, but may not be true. Is there any truth to the urban legend of the Russian sleeping room experiment? So with this urban legend, what can be said is that there's been very disturbing experiments going on. So some of the details have been expounded on, but some of the details kind of show how bad experiments and how disturbing experiments have been throughout the years. I think you've already answered this, but have there been secret unethical human sleep experiments in Russia or in other countries? In many different countries, yes. What is the point of telling a story like the Russian sleeping room experiment when it doesn't seem believable? Is it just to enjoy the horror content? Yes, one is because people are intrigued by horror, and two, it is to share a story of something that possibly could have happened, but make it more gross and disturbing so it gets even more attention. So when something is expounded on, it's usually because people want to get more attention from it. And it's very hard since real life experiments, if they were written exactly about, a lot of them are very disturbing and unbelievable. So there have been urban legends that have been true that are very disturbing. They don't seem like they could be true because of the information provided. Why do people enjoy experiencing horror? It basically is, again, tapping into the unknown. And people get kind of a thrilling sensation from horror, horror movies, reading horror. So it is almost as a person going on a roller coaster to get that thrill, but instead they are doing it through the genre of horror. Was Peter Tripp dreaming while awake during day three of the eight days without sleep? Yes. Why did Peter Tripp's family think he had changed after staying awake for charity for eight days? Because he did change. So it is very important for humans to get sleep. And when they don't get sleep, it really does mess with their psyche and basically their whole physical and mental capacity. Why did Peter Tripp lose his job and get divorced? Would it have happened anyway? That's a difficult question since that goes back into the what ifs of his life path and his choices. So yes, his choices led to that happening but it would have happened in a different way if he wouldn't have participated and not sleeping. So the answer is yes, it probably would have happened anyway. It would have just happened differently. What can we learn from the life of Peter Tripp 
when his life changed for the worse after sleep deprivation. That is not very smart to push your body to the limits. So yes, some experiments are done in the name of science and medical reasons, but others are done that aren't so smart. So it even goes back to stories like when people drink too much water end up very ill or even in death. So it's not smart to push your body to the limit and listen to your body. Your body needs sleep. And yes, some people will not sleep for 24 hours, 48 hours, but people should not push their body to the extreme. And sleep is very important, especially for the brain and brain activity. So it's never advised to go very long hours without sleeping. Is mankind's current understanding of sleep correct, or is there significantly more to learn? There is a lot more to learn. So what has been researched and discovered so far is true, but there's also more studies that can be conducted with brain activity, and especially brain activity in people that have different sleep patterns. So it's not known yet why some people need, let's say, four hours of sleep, while others might need 12 hours. And once they figure out why it's different from person to person, this will unlock more about what happens while a person is sleeping and why sleep is so important. Without getting into details of medical science, why in general do we need sleep? Basically just for your body to recharge. So to recharge mentally, physically, psychologically, spiritually. So it's basically where your body can go into the rest stage and recharge. And the thing is that sleep is different from person to person, but overall it's this recharging. Do pets like dogs have dreams in REM sleep just like humans? Yes. Do other pet animals like cats also have dreams? Yes, many animals have dreams. Do wild animals find it possible to get sufficient sleep to have dreams? So with wild animals, they may make sure to sleep enough so they can still survive. So they know exactly how much sleep they need and they have this more alertness when they sleep compared to humans where humans are pretty much fully asleep. So some humans obviously will be alerted if something happens around them, but wild animals are more based on their instincts. So even when they're sleeping, they still notice what is going on around them to make sure they are not in danger. But are wild animals able to dream under those circumstances? Yes. Uh, I don't know if we got time for all the answer, but I'll ask the question. If we can remember our dreams, can we learn from them? We'll have to continue after this short break with the questions and the psychic insight. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, sci-fi and horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. 
Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades, there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. Slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. to too good to be true and before the break we were going through the questions and the psychic insight answering those questions so dad can you please repeat the question you asked before the short break sure if we can remember our dreams can we learn from them yes and no so the problem with the dream studies and studying dreams is that some people look way too much into the dreams so there are some dreams that are just human dreams where people are getting different experiences off their chest just dreaming about random things while other dreams actually have messages. So the advice is, yes, you can study your dreams, but don't look too deeply into it. Why isn't sleepwalking understood? That needs more study of the brain and the brain activity of people who sleepwalk. Why do people sleepwalk? Usually it's because their physical body doesn't realize completely they're sleeping and wants to perform normal activities. So there's a disconnect. Is there such an experience as astral travel during sleep? Yes. Can a person's consciousness astral travel anywhere? The energy in the soul can travel wherever it pleases. Is the soul attached to the physical body by a silver cord? That's a complicated question, but it's attached in a way that can be thought of as a silver cord. Does waking up with a jolt involve the soul snapping back into the physical body? That's again complicated since it depends on situation to situation. So yes, it happens sometimes, but other times it's because the body is just waking up suddenly. Why aren't dreams usually remembered? It's this disconnect where you're sleeping where it's not just relevant for your conscious mind to remember while waking up. You can think of it this way, as your dreams being different books in the library, and the important dreams will be the library books you can reach while the other books are still there, but they're just in the back and covered in dust and are not as reachable. So those dreams are still in your mind. They're still buried in there. But your mind figures out that they're just not relevant for you to remember when you wake up. So your brain is very complicated where the memory and the whole memory system is based on what's relevant and what the conscious mind needs to remember. Can lucid dreaming be learned? Yes. Changing subjects... How could a fictional character such as Slenderman be so real to impressionable minds? The problem is with fictional characters is that in some people's minds, they actually become real. So that's a disconnect between what's real and what's fake. And after someone is exposed to some fictional character over and over and over again in their mind, it does become real. For example, let's take Santa Claus. So young children obviously believe in Santa Claus, they get older, they realize there's no possible way that Santa Claus could be real because they have no physical proof. Same with fictional characters. In their, in their head, this fictional character is real even though there is no physical evidence. But they still hear stories or see images, so in their mind it's real. So especially with children that are younger, it's very easy for them to believe in things they don't have physical evidence for. Is Slenderman based on any of the legendary characters, the Dark Man, the Branch Man, or the Tall Man? Vaguely based on, but more of just a creation of someone's imagination. 
Why are so many people, especially younger people, attracted to the Slender Man stories? It's just how, like, adults are attracted to horror movies. It's something unknown and creepy and interesting for them to follow. Why do people add to the stories of Slender Man? Because it's fun to keep that ongoing and the story ongoing. So it's just like how people read different creepy stories or watch different creepy videos. They want the story to keep going on and on. Why is Slender Man so viral with, with computer games and short movies? Because it's a combination of what adults made and children. So especially the games that Slender Man is present in both have adults and children. And so in a way, it's a combination of those two worlds coming together. How could the British press report that people experience sightings of Slender Man? Can imagination be perceived as reality? Yes, so there are many cases where people believe something's real when it's actually not. Does intuition develop in a person only as they get into adulthood? No, children have intuition too. What can we learn about the tragic circumstances in Wisconsin in 2014 when fantasy crossed the line into the, reali the reality of attempted murder? So this is a hard question to answer since it's very situational. But the thing with media and games and the fictional world is that when children are younger or even teenagers, until they even reach their 20s or 30s, they need some type of guidance. So that guidance doesn't always come from the parents, but also comes from teachers, any adults in the children's lives. So in a way, it's the responsibility of adults to make sure they guide the children. But with that said, there's always going to be incidences that children hide from their parents and that parents have no clue about or the adults in their life. So the best advice they can be given for this is to try and monitor what children are exposed to, but also encourage them and support them in how they want to learn but also make sure that this fiction does not cross into reality and that fantasy does not become real. Can urban legends be helpful for people to avoid bad situations in their lives? Yes, there are many urban legends and many cultures that have helped children, even adults with situations, and also create this feeling of what's good and what's bad and how to make the right choices. Is it possible that an entity can be created by the imagination of an individual or the collective imagination of a number of people? Yes, it's very possible. Would such an entity have intelligence? No. So this goes back to the brain and how hallucinations can occur. So in that group of people's minds, the hallucination is very real. And now that becomes the reality. Well, for the people around them, that's not the reality. So it becomes very complicated where in that group of people, the entity is very, very real to them. But it's not real in the physical world. So you can think of it kind of like a hologram where the people around can see that it's not real while the people that created the reality where the hologram is, it's very real to them. Changing the subject, is there any truth in the urban legend, the curse of the colonel? No. Can someone who has passed on curse any of the living? That's not possible. Someone who has passed on is already passed and is not concerned about doing something negative to other people. Can a curse become a self-fulfilling prophecy in the manner of the placebo effect? Yes, they can. At the time, did the baseball players really believe they could win any of the three championships or did some think about the curse of the colonel? They had a doubt in their heads and some of them lost their confidence and kept thinking, what if the curse is actually real? Have there ever been situations when a curse has been real with consequences for an individual? So this again becomes complicated because in some cultures there are different witches and curses and not to fully go into it, but yes, sometimes there are different situations that could be real, but overall most curses are just the mind thinking what if and doubting itself and making it so the person loses confidence and the curse may seem very real, but at the end of the day, it's their own actions that are making it that they lose or something bad happens. So it's best to stay positive and in almost all cases, just believe you're not actually cursed. If you think you or someone you know believes they have, a, have been cursed, what should you do? Think positive and try and break the curse. So that sounds kind of different to say that there are no curses, but you also need to break it. But it's basically convincing your mind that you're fine and you're not cursed. Would the negativity associated with setting a curse, even if not believed by the potential victim, cause a situation of karma where the person setting the curse would have to pay back for their negativity? 
It, it depends on how extreme. So if it is extreme circumstance, there will be a lot of karma involved. But anytime that something negative happens, yes, there is a small amount of karma, but it depends on the extent of the curse or negativity. If you do something extreme, like let's say you want to injure the person, then there's a lot of karma involved. But if you just wish the person a bad hair day, there won't be much karma involved. What can we learn from the curse of the colonel? Basically to have confidence and not believe in silly curses and to be confident in yourself and your skills. If you want to win at something, you need to have that confidence that you're going to win. So kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy, if you're positive and have a good outlook on it, then you're more likely to be able to achieve what you want. What can we learn in general from urban legends? So they're interesting stories and always to take every story with a grain of salt. So to form your own beliefs. And there's nothing wrong with believing in urban legends as long as there's some type of positive urban legend. So there are many different urban legends that are very positive and do no harm. It's just making sure that people can distinguish between what's real and what's fake, which is very cloudy, a very cloudy line sometimes. But as long as you are not harming yourselves or others, believing in urban legends, reading about them, and even going into the horror genre is nothing negative. Well, that was the last answer. Uh, are some urban legends too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. I enjoyed the curse of the colonel the best, especially the effort in putting the statue back together. Yeah, that went better than Humpty Dumpty. Yes, we're still looking for listener suggestions, not including Humpty Dumpty. So uh, why don't you mention the website? Yes, so we have our website, which is www.2goodtobetrue.net, and the first two is spelled T-W-O, and so you can go on there, you can contact us, and then we also do have our Facebook page, so if you go on Facebook and you type in Too Good To Be True, with the first two spelled T-W-O, you can message us either there, our website, you can message us suggestions any comments about the show if you have any comments about the curse of the colonel or kfc chicken i guess or anything to do with that you're welcome to message us and we love when we give viewer suggestions yeah we're working on some shows uh, in the future where we have included listener suggestions so we take it very seriously and uh, we feel i guess more obligated to do a good job if it's a listener suggested suggestion in some way um so anyway, why don't you sign us off, Justina? And again, thank every, thank you everyone for listening. Yes, and we always do try to do a good job. But what Dad means is we really do put the most research and effort into every single show, and especially listener suggestions. We really try to make it a show that the listener really, really wants to hear. So as always, thank you for listening. And we are going to have another show next week. So tune in for next week's show. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. 
We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.